0: Well, hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast, proudly supported by, and we'll talk about this, uh, who is supporting the podcast a little bit more in the episode, proudly supported by Drummer Golf. Uh, You may have heard us talking about Drummer Golf. In previous episodes, uh, it's no secret that I am part of the drummer Golf family, so we will talk a little bit about drummer and Golf and their support of me and the podcast uh, as we get into the episode. Just the two of us this week, there is no Rocket. Rocket's a busy man. He's got a lot on his plate uh, work-wise and a lot on his plate as he works towards moving to, as you know, because we announced it here live on the podcast to Queensland, so he's preparing for that. So it's just uh, myself and the Magic Mike. And it's the second time the Magic Mike and I have caught up this week. Uh, We've got a little bit of a story to sell and uh, not to sell, to tell. And uh, it was my job to sell to bike actually, but more from him uh, as we get into it. Thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Angie Mike, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. It wouldn't be a Wednesday night without your wonderful company uh, here. And as we said in the intro, uh, we're missing the Rocket Man. Uh, we should play his music anyway. Uh, day, Rocket. Uh, I know you will be listening and uh, while you're sitting there doing your work, uh, we miss you. We um, thank you for joining us. Uh, we miss you this week. Uh, but Ma Rocket, a proud supporter of biscuits, uh, still the number one biscuit supplier and supporter to the podcast, Mar Rocket down there in Tasmania, our most regular and frequent listener. Uh, G'day to you in Tasmania. Uh, Mike, I said that I was going to sell you something. I probably did, actually. Um, I'll talk about that more in a minute, but uh, it's our second time catching up this week. It was good to see you on Monday night. It was good. uh, Yeah, and we saw you down at Drum and Golf Melbourne. As I said, uh, Drum and Golf uh, supporting the podcast. It's early stages of Drum and Golf's uh, association with, not with me because I've been part of the Drum and Golf family for eight years but it's the early stage of them officially supporting the podcast and you know we'll have an announcement we'll do drum and golf uh introductions and that as we go along during week to week but uh there's big things happening for me with uh, drum and golf on that front you know we're doing a little bit more and expanding some of the stuff i do outside of uh my world with and for drum and golf so a little bit more about that but they're supporting me and supporting the therefore supporting the podcast so thanks to drum and golf if you want uh Anything for your golf needs, all around Australia, fifty stores. You can go and see them. Now, Mike, how do you how do you describe this week in golf? It's been an interesting one. There's been a lot happening and not much happening, but uh, you know, yeah, let's let's go with, let's go with the big one first. Which
1: one? Well, oh, there's so many. Oh, I I think you mean deference
0: uh, deference to the main man in golf. We sp- spoke about him last week, and uh, yeah. you know, he's he's uh, given his interview with uh, was it Golf World, Golf Digest, Golf World, Golf Digest, Golf yeah. Digest. So he's given his interview. You know, you're all across that. I think you know, the whole golf world's alight with the discussion of Tiger. Um, and, you know, I'll just say that we thought that he might not come back. We didn't. We weren't actually sure, but it was great to hear that he is in the frame of mind that he will be playing golf again, albeit in an abridged or abbreviated format uh, or for, yeah. for, um, form.
1: But what's yeah, your, exactly. what your take on that? I think that was, you know, that's for me is the biggest thing. I know every podcast and every person that enjoys golf is really getting a handle on what was said and What's he thinking and how's he feeling? Because he's, you know, he's a notoriously private person, and as you would be if you were him. I think um the biggest thing for me was just hearing that he he thinks he's able to get to a point down the line where he's going to play professional golf. Now he said reference Mr. Hogan or Ben Hogan and post his car accident obviously only played a handful of tournaments a year. And I think he sees himself doing something similar. Uh, it's gonna be like a picking and choosing, it's gonna be a here and there, um, and as we were sort of just talking about beforehand, no one get excited. He's not going to be playing Augusta next year. There's, oh, He didn't say that, but, I mean, I'm lucky enough to have been to Augusta, and I've walked there as a patron for two days, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> it's, it's 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 not an easy walk for someone who's coming back from what he's gone through. There's absolutely no chance he's playing there in, uh, in April.
0: I'm not a the biggest um you know historian on on Ben Hogan and all the stories and um about that but just when you hear you know that Ben Hogan had a car accident well, not when you hear you know that Ben Hogan had a car accident and then he came back and it was never quite the same it's just eerie to mm. know that we're talking about Tiger Woods you know the yeah. great the greatest golfer in the modern era having oh, a car, it, having a car accident and then talking about coming back as, exactly as you know the for our forefathers of the golf game um, would have been talking about Mr
1: Hogan Humbled no, exactly. Theory. Probably not not on podcast, but they would have been talking about it. No, uh, Um, Look, I think the, the main man, Mister Rocket, uh, summed it up very well. You know, he doesn't know he doesn't know golf or anything, uh, and I hope that most people are looking at it like that. I was pretty disappointed tonight on the news. Uh, the ABC News uh, this evening did a little bit on Tiger's interview. It was about a five minute piece. Four and a half minutes was. His back history of having an affair and this and that. And I just said to my wife, I don't know what going through this. This has absolutely got no relevance at all today. Mm. Um, and then at the end of it, he said, you know, look, you know, it wouldn't be shocking to see him wearing another green jacket. And I just thought, this is the worst, like this is literally the worst report of this I've you're gonna see. Um, but I think most people will take it with what it was. Anyone who loves golf will know he's not he's not gonna be coming in and out. Is it is it is it fundamentally impossible that he would win another major? No. Is it probable? Absolutely not. Um, it'd be great to see him playing in a major at that point. I know he said he'd love to play at St Andrews next year. Probably the sort of course he'd say he'd be easy to walk. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, if if we get to see him playing golf and enjoying his golf, or you know, playing golf, you know, in his personal life, enjoying golf with his son and daughter, and uh, you think that's couldn't couldn't wish to look anymore. Yeah. Yep.
0: Now he will be the host of uh, the Hero Challenge this week in the Bahamas at uh, what's it, port? Uh, I was going to call it's it port- uh, Albany, I think. Albany. I was going to call it the Port yeah. Arthur course. I don't know why, but um, the Albany uh, course.
1: Yeah,
0: you, 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 you'd have to expect that he's got to be down there hosting the. How many people in that field? Twenty or twenty something? A
1: massive. Twenty people playing for three point five million US this week. You'd turn up for that if you if you jagged an invite, would you not? If I got the invite, I'd have to think about it, certainly. Um, obviously, no-cut event, so I'd, even if I finish well, let's be honest, when I finish last, like at least my airfares would be covered. Um, yeah, no, it's a rocket. It would be one of Rocket's favourites, let's just put it that way, the uh, twenty twenty man uh, no-cut event. Favourites to uh, tear apart or favourites? Be- <laughs> Snout in the trough. Snout in the trough. Uh <laughs>
0: Interesting. We were we were uh, you know wondering how do you get an invite? How, how, who gets on the invite list? Of you know mm. you, you, we can we can actually quickly run through the entire field here. Uh, and Cyril Hatton, Matt Fitzpatrick, Sam Burns, Scotty Scheffler, da, Daniel Berger, Webb Simpson, Harris English, Tony Finau, Abraham Anser, the of well, God Podcast very own Abraham Anser, Aussie Abe, as Bucket likes to call him. Patrick Reed, Victor Hovland, Henrik Stenson. Xander Shoffley, Justin Rose, Colin Morikawa, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, straight after Brooks Kepka, funnily enough, and uh, Jordan Spieth.
1: Yep. It's not – look, it's not. It's it's a great set. Um, it is the week after Thanksgiving, so to get people to jump on a plane and head over there, it'll be uh, – look, it'll be interesting to see how the golf is. You'd say some will be there just for a little break, a little holiday. Maybe enjoy uh, a few white wine spritzes by the uh, by the beach. There'll be other people that'll be there to win. That's just the way they are. Um, I don't know who's who. I think uh, looking at the tournament, it's a tournament that you want to be a good solid ball striker. So the bloke at the top of the market's Colin Kawa quite rightly because that's his forte. Um, he's obviously playing good golf. He only won two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, look for me. It's not a not a week where I'll be going crazy uh, throwing money at it. But I'd probably steer away from from betting the, the favourites because they're just too short. And as you'd expect in a twenty man field, you're going to get favourites that are not paying a lot of money. So Rory and, and Morikawa are around eight dollars. But I'd probably be investing. I'll be looking at guys like Hovland, uh, maybe Sam Burns, mm. and maybe Daniel Berger, like guys that are got the talent, got the ability. Berger's the sort of guy I could see going down there and being a little bit switched on. He likes to party, but I think he would also like to just pinch the wind as well. So, yeah, they're, the, they're the, probably the three that I'd if I was ever going to look at her, I'd look at it. But is it likely to be windy down there? I haven't looked at the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say it'll be on and off. It, it, there'll be no um, there'll be no shelter, you wouldn't think. It's pretty open course.
0: Is Daniel Berger's – would you say that his game suits the wind or not? you hitting those big sling
1: cuts. Um, I think – I think it'll really just come down to how he's played, how much he knows a course. Like I know he's played there; he finished didn't didn't go well. He's fourteenth, which sounds fantastic, but you only got twenty people to play against. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think I sort of when it comes to these sorts of events, it really just comes down to me thinking historical stat number, and if it's going to be someone who's putting the ball around, or you know. Um, plotting their way around the course that's the most important thing i'm worried about i'm not looking at their form i'm not looking at anything else i know people talk about well um another podcast i listen to the tour junkies they always talk about strokes gained home life that's so if you're happy at home there's there's a good chance that there's, that's going to um balance off in your uh in your work on the course imagine if
0: we saw a stat like that. something like that pop up a bit of pga tour stat finder well, strokes, that's, well, strokes gained home life.
1: Strokes gained home life and strokes gained Um, the baby boom, baby boom, baby bump, whatever people call it, because yeah. Jordan Spieth just had a baby, so um, he's there, so he could be uh, taking advantage of that. But that's the thing. You just don't know. He could be, Spieth could be there, first-time dad, really just thinking, this is, this is what it's all about. Like, mm. I just feel at one, one with Zen. Or he could be not sleeping for the last 48 hours with a screaming child. Um, he knows, we don't. So it's finding that balance.
0: Uh, another uh, new dad, uh, Ricky Fowler, definitely not playing, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe he might. Uh... <laughs> strokes, game, strokes game baby.
1: <laughs> well, this the big, uh, if anyone listens to the, I think it was the first time I was on the, on the podcast, the first week that I was on, I talked about the, the biggest win I had in golf and it was this tournament. It was This This was the weekend where I picked the three winners, the Mauritius Open, the the Hero World Challenge, and um, the Aussie PGA, Cam Smith, Ricky Fowler, and Dylan Fratelli, all three in one weekend. So Ricky does play well this weekend, but he's yeah sitting at home.
0: Okay, before we start talking about Dylan Fratelli, uh, okay, who's the top five? Here's my top five. It's obvious ones, Colin, Rory, Brooks, Abraham. Colin, Rory, Brooks, Abraham, and the Smokey... Uh, Sam Burns,
1: not really smoky, but no, he's yeah, he's in my five. if I had to pick, five, I won't pick five, I'll pick three, I'll stick with those three. I think I said Burns, uh, Berger, and Hovland or Female toss a coin. Okay, yeah,
0: all right. Uh, is that on will that be on TV? I don't think it, is. It, will it will be, no, it will be on no, no, should That's be, on? should be on TV. Okay. Yeah. yeah, good. Uh, now you mentioned Dylan Fratelli, uh. Obviously, a lot happened last weekend down in South Africa for the first of the new DP World Tour. Yeah. Uh, What an awkward start for the DP World Tour down in uh, South Africa with weather, uh, the new outbreak of the Omicron virus, which not necessarily is, you know, I I read something today, it's not really uh, fair to pin it to... South Africa Uh, Hmm. It is all over the world But um, You know Obviously it's probably Most prevalent there at the moment I'm I'm not the expert there But uh, You know Just in the efforts to To do the What they feel is the right thing It was all shortened down to What was it 36 holes
1: Yeah It was It was a bit Weird It was uh, It was one where No one knew what was going on And it was just Like you said Just absolutely Unbelievably poor timing And a bit Bit unlucky For the first event Of the kickoff season They um. Yeah, they've started the event. They've got one round in. Um, I think they overnight after round one, they they'd got the notification about the issue um, that the, the that variant kicking off, mm-hmm. and so twelve players um, literally got on flights that night and left. They withdrew because mm-hmm. the, England was what, shutting off the borders, so a lot of them were like, "I'm out of here." Um, wanted to get home, otherwise they were going to have to do two weeks quarantine, which none of them were keen to do. Uh, by the time I was sort of watching it tick over, by the time they were halfway through round two, it was up to about 20 withdrawals, nearly everyone was on a plane. They got through that second round and then um, they didn't know what to do, so they were arming and arming and they said, no, nope, we're going to do one more round, 54-hole 50, tournament and that'll be it. Um, one of the guys that I liked last week, Sean Norris, he was kind of up top. He was top four or five, but the leader was well and truly away. Uh, he'd been playing great golf, one of the South African guys, um, uh, Th- Tristan Lawrence. Um, and then, yeah, lo and behold, they teed off in the final round. The, the, the back markers are out and uh, then the leaders had, had uh, jumped on course. And the leader had made a bogey on his first hole—a really poor putt. Was looking a bit wobbly, and I thought, "Oh, this could get a bit sketchy here." He—he uh, he has got a solid four-shot lead, but he had Xander Lombard and Ashley Chesters and Norris behind him. You know, super golfers. Yeah. You know, top. You know, world-class golfers. Um, and yeah, they got—they got three holes in, and the thunderstorms came in, so they took him off the course uh and that was it i never ended up being out they said 45 minutes and i woke up the next day they never got back out so they called it at 36 holes and that was it everybody went home so with
0: all that's gone on dp world have said let's have a break for a bit and it looks like we won't see dp world tours kick back off until uh next year at the abu dhabi classic maybe uh Mm -hmm. according to the internet here but uh it just goes mm. back to a Sunshine Tour event,
1: so that's it. Next week, oh, this week, sorry, yeah. So it was going to be a joint event with the Sunshine Tour, the South African Open, but now it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, just the South African Open. A lot of the obviously the South African boys have all stayed. There is a handful of people there that have. Uh, I, I would say there would have been some golfers that would have been weighing things up. Yeah. I know. Um, is it actually Chesters? Is it actually Chesters? Uh, I think he's from the UK um i know last week he was right in the mix so he was hanging around he hadn't jumped on the plane because they were giving out three spots to the open so if you're giving out three spots to the open and you're sitting third (laughs) comfortably you're hanging around so that paid off so yeah he he ended up getting his spot into the open uh, from last week but um yeah anyone who didn't go would have to hang around this week because why wouldn't you You you're gonna go sit in two weeks quarantine you might get lucky and end up having a um a week where they say, you know, who knows what what the new world looks like. We've all sat through this for the last yeah. 20 months. In, in a week's time, they might go, no, no, no more two weeks quarantine, you can just come straight back home. So I'd say that they probably just keep playing golf and see how he goes.
0: So who we got this week playing? It's just stacked full of uh, you know, South Africa's top talent. Absolutely it is. South
1: Africa South Africa's got, got talent. Uh yeah, it is uh Chris, Christian or well, the top Top, say, 10 names that everyone would know. Christian Perseidenhout, Dean Burmester, Gary Kigo, Dylan Fratelli, Sean Norris, Wilco Niembar, Justin Harding, Brandon Stone, uh, George Curtsy. And the one that I'm going to add in that not maybe not everybody would know, but I actually don't mind him this week, is Henny Duplessis. Oh, yeah. um, very uh, common. I think it's a pretty common South African name, but... Uh, yeah it's a it's a lot of um a lot of a very very high percentage of south africans playing as you can imagine uh that list that you rattle off
0: you know you, you were familiar with all those names because we used to seeing them on the european yeah. tour uh, yeah some in the pga tour uh, dylan fratelli in, in, in many events in the pga tour and uh Great golfers, you know, the South African hmm. we've talked about in the podcast before, you know, like the South Africans have been, you know, over indexed in participation on both tours. Yeah. So they uh, have. good luck to them. Uh, and good luck to the all the you know, players in the Sunshine Tour and sticking it out and you know, getting on with it and keeping golf going. You know, we're all we're all here trying to earn a buck and as they are down there trying to keep the show on the road. So we appreciate all the work that you're doing down there in South Africa. Any other uh, golf uh, that we need to know? They had the Asian Tour uh, last weekend in, in um was it? Uh, Thailand was it Thailand? They moved down to Phuket. Is it Phuket this week? I, I've, mixed, I've, I've lost I my brain of thought. Not sure. I, I can think see go, the. I think there's uh, a few
1: Japanese tournaments, but I haven't seen any other ones around. I, I didn't. I played golf twice on the weekend, so I didn't get to watch too much at all.
0: Oh, really? Only twice. Could only, only twice. Could
1: only fit two rounds in. I got to play uh, the beach course, sorry, the creek course at Thirteenth Beach on Saturday, and it was blowing a gale. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone that's in Melbourne, they know exactly what I'm talking about. I had 32 points and won the guest comp at, with a massive 32 points, which was great. I had my first eagle in a long time, um, which was which was very exciting for me. The bloke I was playing with thought I was a bandit, but that's okay what well, you, uh, you, you did win the. You did win the comp. Thirty-two points. It was, it was, it was like 10, 15 people playing in it. So, I'll, you know, I'll go down there at some point and collect my seven dollars fifty uh, uh, clubhouse credit. Um, <laughs> what was the da- what was the daily scratch rating? I don't know. I, mean, I just I I didn't pay. You I, uh, Did you play any handicap? Just, did, you have, did, you have, did you have? a you had no, no. a
0: No, no, oh, no, Okay.
1: Oh no, no, sorry. Because uh, my uh, it was it must have been. It was one – It said, so my daily was my daily was 11, and I think it said that I played to 12, even though I only had 32 points, something like that. Okay. I was playing hard, yeah. anyway. And then su- Sunday, I uh, went off and played uh, one of my favourites, Lonsdale. So that was great. So played Lonsdale on Sunday.
0: Uh, just while we talk about Lonsdale, and thanks for reminding me, uh, did you see the pictures coming out
1: of uh, Swing Media? who has been down there this week. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the other ones that they that he did a little while ago. It's such a it's such a pretty course to get pictures of. It's so good. Uh, Nick Wall would have been busting out of his
0: skin to get out of Byron Bay, jump on a plane and start flying around. Uh, he probably should have been in Ireland maybe three times, four times in the last uh, twelve months or so, and hasn't obviously been once. But uh, I know how excited he gets to get on a plane, uh, jump in a rental car pop the drone up and start shooting and uh you can see why because uh some of those images coming out of nick's camera and drone camera uh
1: stunning of um and and it it is a course that um i don't know it's very photogenic we'll call it but uh, especially from the drone footage really being able to pick up those squared off greens from that from that um height
0: i was just just, it just
1: looks so good
0: i was just going to say you know you've heard us talk about Lonsdale Lynx and the work that Ashley made from OCM did and you know it's relevance to golf if you can't go and play Lynx golf and see what a square green is and go to Dornoch or Brora and and play on courses like that or you can't go and experience a Redan green or a thumbprint or a road hole you know all of those um, great golf qualities are adorned in that course and that's one of the reasons why the OCM guys have done such a great job and yeah, you can see it in those pictures of um of, of Nick's, you know, the thumbprint green on I can't what's the hole, the par three? The
1: thumbprint is around number six, I wanna say.
0: Oh no, no, it's on the back. It's on the back nine. Yeah, I remember yeah. we played play that. I can never remember the holes when I played the yeah. nines in reverse, but correct, I did the same. <laughs>
1: But is, um, is, yeah.
0: is, is it after the par five? It's
1: after the punch bowl par five yeah, yeah. around the uh, uh, right-hander. Yeah. And then you have the thumbprint uh, and then you drop down the hill and uh, play the other par five. So, yeah. It's a great that's hole, that, that 14-ish. Path, that thumbprint, path three. It's a great hole. It's the wasteland off
0: to the right. Oh, it's
1: beautiful. It's really good unless you... Um, you're playing it into the wind so it's a very no one really going to care about this story but you're playing it into a southeasterly which is very different everything in geelong down that way is normally a southwesterly and we're playing that hole into the wind so i tried to hood a little five iron into the wind and um yeah pulled it a smidge and the runoff on the left hand side takes you all the way down to the next tee so i had a you know an 80 meter chip back up the hill, <laughs> so it wasn't my favorite hole on the day. Uh,
0: good design, good design. Uh, Phuket, uh, the Asian tour is playing in uh, this week, the uh, Phuket Championship, uh, Laguna Phuket Championship, Phuket, Phuket. I'm not sure if I pronounced it correctly. Apologies to anyone, Phuket, Phuket. I've uh, never been. You've been to Phuket? No, no, oh, okay, never been. Uh, so yeah, it's a stacked, stacked team, uh, stacked, stacked, stacked team, stacked field. Uh, Field is the word that I thank you very much, the word that I'm looking for. Uh Galvin Green, uh I like Galvin Green. He's a he's a good he's mm. a solid player. Ryan Lumsden from Australia's playing. Uh Jazz, Jane Watnanond. Uh, Sp- Jazz. Jazz, yes. Um Scotty Hand. Uh Wade is still Scotty Hand's
1: playing. I believe so. He's in the list. Scotty's uh, um he was going through some health issues. I, he was going in to get some an operation done, I think. Was he? last week or two weeks ago. He might must be better, which would be great okay. if he's playing. Well, it says would, it says entered,
0: frozen. but, you know, like, I, I, I do remember seeing something like that. It says entered. Mm. Uh, Wade, um, Wade's playing <laughs> another one of my emerging favourites, uh, Barry Henson. You know much about Barry Henson? You've seen Barry? Um, no. Barry, Barry, where did Barry pop up? Maybe playing the Scottish Open. Uh, he was over there and he, he did some media and uh, great character. Uh, he was, I think he might have been leading the Scottish Open or something after like the first, or second round, and he got a bit of coverage there, and a great character uh, has a has a trick shot called the tie spinner. It's like a knock down sixty degree. He you know, plays it from about two club lengths outside of his back foot and hits this down yeah. downward strike ball that yeah. just skids up the uh, the face of the green. You know, burning the grass yeah, on yeah. the way up, and then s- stops about a meter from the hole. Calls it the tie spinner. I don't know why. Um, anyway, good luck to all the players out there. Now, mm. speaking of uh, burning the green, the real reason why we're doing this podcast and we continued on without our uh, leader, Rocket. Rocket. Miss your Rocket. Uh, we caught up uh, on Monday night. Uh, you came down to Drum and Golf uh, Melbourne in Franklin Street, Franklin Street's biggest golf store, definitely Franklin Street's biggest Drum and Golf store, and uh, we definitely. did a, we did a fitting.
1: We did. It was uh, my first fitting in, say, five six years. I want to say, okay, six years. So yeah, so
0: rather rather than me telling the story because I don't want people to think that it's, you know, me. I guess levitating the story a little bit, but you know, what what was your experience like? Tell 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 everyone what what we went through, what happened.
1: You forced me to do a whole bunch of tests. I remember that bit. Um, I held you down. No, I held you down. <laughs> no. Um, I didn't know what to expect. To be honest, I, 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 when when we sort of when I talked about coming in, I think my my idea of a of um, sorry, I'll, I'll rewind slightly. So, the last time I I got fitted was at a um at a company fitting room with a one of their guys. So, I was only hitting their their clubs. So. I kind of, th- when I thought I was coming in to get fitted, I figured it would be something like, you'd be like, right, you've seen me hit a few balls, you know, where my handicap kind of sits. I knew roughly what sort of clubs I was interested in seeing. And in my brain, I had this picture of you would hand me a club, I wouldn't look down at what it was and I would hit it and see if it went any good or if it felt any good without actually thinking about whether what the brand was or what the what the model was um and then i'd run through a bunch of different ones and eventually we'd find one that i really liked um but it's a little bit more scientific than that which is good so to start off with we uh i stood up against the wall i felt like i was back at uh, back in primary school and now i'm measuring my height um which is obviously i'm guessing to do with what distance uh, what length the clubs and everything needs to be and everything else so I think my, my height was the same as what I thought it was, which is good because I can't remember the last time I'd sort of gone to Wall and been measured. That's uh, for those of you that have never seen Mike in the flesh, uh, six foot six. Six six, yeah, six six. <laughs> a Collingwood six footer actually, at 5'11". Five, five, 11. Five, 11. Um, and then the, probably the next thing off that was that we measured was um my arms hanging. So this, what what it's it's the
0: my. Well, we, well we, we use the MyMatch fitting system. My so match that, fitting that's Strum and Golf's proprietary uh, fitting uh, system and methodology. So, yeah, so we do uh, a height measurement
1: mm. and
0: then we do a fingertip to floor. Now, some uh, brands like uh, Ping, for example, you know, you can go on a Ping website and do a, a Ping fit, you know, put your measurements in. They do wrist to floor. As is calculated on fingertip to floor, just same, same but different. Yeah, uh, and, and obviously that's measuring your uh, static reach. Obviously, uh, your wingspan, you know, your, the width of your arms in relation to your height has an impact on the length of the shaft. You know, When you get into golf posture, correct golf posture, your, your arms will hang naturally at a certain uh, length and therefore distance to the ground. So that's going to influence a starting point of a suggested length of club. And as I say, it's a starting point because it's not always the, the end point, but it's a great reference point to start from rather than just giving someone a you – know, a lot of people – that come in, I'm six foot, you know, like to use the six foot six example, you know, I'm six mm. foot three, I need longer clubs. But, you know, you quickly saddle up beside them and say, well, that may be, may be the case, but it may not be the case. Let's have a look at your fingertip to floor, stand beside me. Now, I know yeah. I've been fit all around the world. I've been fit at all of the brand centres and, you know, plus or minus a quarter of an inch relevant to the the standard lengths of each brand's clubs. I'm pretty much a standard length, yeah. Uh, always have been. So I, I'll settle up to someone who has, you know, is six foot two and think I'm tall so I need longer clubs, but their fingertip to floor, their hand to floor, uh, wrist to floor measurement um, is pretty much the same as mine. Now I'm on a good day six foot and I go, well, that might not be the case. You know, let's look at this me- measurement and they go, oh, right. And really that's my way of suggesting to them, you know, we should spend some time doing a fitting and, you know, we know once we do a fitting we start – um, helping people select the right clubs, it, it becomes yep. easier for them to make a decision around. I should I should get out of these old ones because they're they're hindering my golf and they're not helping my golf. So yep. it's all part of you know what we do. But yeah, that measurement that's what that's for. And hmm. and you know for you it pretty much determined that you know you are yeah you're close to that standard length. You know when you get yep. into your golf posture. Now your golf posture is different to my posture, but yep. The other part of it is is how you deliver the club. And that's, you know, when we get talking about shafts and, the, and all of that, yep. that important part. Anyway, I'll, yeah. let, I'll let you go on.
1: Um, yeah, so we did that. Ross punched in all of my um, my vitals, so my handicap and, and everything else. And then we sort of had to think about how much do we want to um, – that was probably the toughest question Ross had to ask. I think he felt embarrassed to ask. He sort of, you know, where do you – you know, where do you – Want these clubs to fit? Are they going to be in the workability range or are they in the player improvement range? And Probably a bit of a tough question, I would think, for most people because if I was a game improvement sort of person, I might not want to do that. I might want the top, you know, to feel that I'm doing something different. Would that be right? Well, I should, yeah, we should expand
0: on that because what happens is obviously, you know, the system, we're starting to hit golf balls by, by this stage. Mm. Um, we've got a a fitting club and then the fitting club is not representative of the club that you end up, but it's just to, as a, as a test of starting to help us identify is this length and shaft flex, uh, and lie angle, you know, trying to nail that down. Ultimately, you know, to get to the point, um, you know, you end up getting fit with a club that's going to be fairly close, pretty much exactly to what you're going to end up with, you know, shaft, lie yep. angle and length, you know, like, you know, we were able to test that exact club the fitting club you know, allows us to f- start fine tuning it now you hit some some shots and you know you hit them all fairly fairly close together hmm. and what the computer system that is starting to measure some of this uh these inputs they're starting to you know try and build a computer-based profile obviously there's a human element you know me watching you know, i'm watching you hit and all of that but they're starting to see how close you hit these clubs and you know if you hit 15 shots and they're all pretty close together, well then it's going to su- suggest that maybe you want something that's workable. But mm. if you if you spray a few left and right and then hit a bunch of them quite, you know, target oriented, well, then it might yep. say, let's have a look at something that's a little more forgiving. Now ultimate, yep. ultimately as a customer, you know, that's when the fitting person, i.e. me in this case, gets involved and says, well, you know, how do you usually go on the course, start having a bit of discussion around a bit of diagnosis around your questions are about your golf, where where are your misses? Where do you see you wanting to improve? Where's your golf journey going? You know, are you happy with the level of golf and, you know, want some more help? You know, are you more distance? Do you need more distance? Or, you know, are you on the up curve? You know, are you getting lessons? Are you still wanting to get from 12 handicap down to seven, back down to six, five, four, or whatever it is? Mm. And sometimes, you know, like your, your last set of clubs were five, six years ago. So yep. you're not you're not changing clubs, you know. Like me, I get a bit jaded because I can change clubs every year. But you know, you're not changing your clubs every year. So if your journey is towards a four handicap or a five handicap, where maybe once upon a time you had the potential, you might want clubs that are going to get you to that level and be at that level yep. when you want. But you might not. So you know these questions start to fine tune us. And you know in your case, you know I think you were you would hit them quite tightly, compact. We got rid of a few outliers. You know we hmm. we, we move. Move a few um, numbers out that we don't want to sort of benchmark on, and uh, it said workable. So we ended up with, I guess, when we get to that point, pretty much mm. around that sort of type of club.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't, and it was good because it didn't just say one set of clubs. You know, they, these are the ones that are for you. It wasn't like a uh, a tool that said this is the one for you. And like I said, not, nothing against the last fitting I did because where I got fitted was great. But it was one company. So I was only ever going to end up with one or two of the different types of clubs. And that was really all it was. Whereas the the one that we sort of had, the, the my match one was like, fine, here's all the ones that are, that would sort of fit in that range for you. Here's the ones that we have a look at. And so um then it came down to sort of trying a few. Yeah. Yeah. So what it does is break it down into a gold, silver, or
0: bronze level of fit. Now gold is, you know, really fine-tunes all of the uh clubs in that category. Now, if you, and you know, there's a number of filters, you know, you can say, and one of the questions I didn't ask you because, you know, you were spending all of the winnings on Minwoo Lee, who unfortunately mm-hmm. wasn't able to join us tonight by the, by the looks of it, um, <laughs> uh, you were spending your winnings. So price, you know, pr- you know, we didn't filter it by price, but someone might come in and say, Yep, I'm sensitive on the amount that I want to invest. So, yeah. you know, I need to look at this, this, this price point. So yep. immediately it's going to discard. We're not going to even talk about the upper end if someone's mm-hmm. looking at a at a price point in the club. So it really does help just showcase what is available in that space. Now sometimes it gets to the to the point where it showcases what's available in that space, and people want more choice. So they go, "Well, I might have to invest a bit more," or yep. it, go, it goes the other way. Oh, that's too much. I might want to come down, but it shows all the gold. The silver is, you know, everything there, but maybe a little bit more. You know, the outliers, and then. Sometimes the bronze is pretty much anything in that whole space. But, Mm -hmm. you know, as you know, golf clubs, you know, they're – let's define them. There's workable, blades. There's um, uh, – what's the next category? Sorry, I've gone blank. There's workable, uh, forgiving, and game improvement. Yep. Um, So, you know, in the forgiving and the game improvement category, you know, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of clubs. Yep. Workable, workable, a little, a few less, but um, yeah. Anyway, so we fine-tuned it down to half a dozen clubs. Yeah, you know, we had a couple from TaylorMade, we had a couple from yep. Titleist, had a couple from Callaway.
1: Yep. Uh, and were- for me, like I think we talked about a little while ago. From then on, for me, if I know that they're probably going to do the job, the ones that were there was then going to come down to the things that I felt were going to be for me personally. Important, and some of the things were what do what do I like the look of? What what's going to look right from when I'm holding the club? um You know the feel of it, and as we'll talk about in a little bit around changing the shafts, around changes the weight and feel. So that that was a bit different, but the actual look of it for me is important. Like I I want it to look like something that I want to hit. If that makes sense, I don't don't know how to describe it, but not that there were any ones that I completely dislike, but there were some that I look at and go, gee, that's a really good looking club, and I think I probably gravitated to a handful of those different brands because of that?
0: Well, and the other thing that happened, and this happens, I see this happen a lot, especially for players that, you know, have got a high high degree of competence and, you know, I'd put you in that category uh, and you've got a great golf knowledge and, you know, you're quite attuned to what you like the look of. You wanted to look at a blade. You know, you, you you wanted to be the ultimate bladesman and, you know, I had blades there to show you, but I think what happened is, you know, once we started hitting them, Yeah, you identified
1: Hmm. that probably.
0: For the it was
1: it like and with like I'll talk to the brand and because it's not in a bad way, it's that like if I picked up uh, what you would call the easier Callaway to hit, the the medium Callaway to hit, and then the blade, the one that I hit the best was the middle one. Yeah, like comfortably, like I couldn't have hit them any better. Like every uh, I've hit so just for the just for the people listening at home, so my handicap's floated between seven and ten for ten years, and so at the moment it's ten, right? And my journey now is to get back to seven or, or lower. So I've been down as low as five, but there's a lot of work that I've been doing, as we talked about in the weeks gone by. But when I hit a ball, as Ross will know, because he laughed most of the time when I did it, the ball would be barely off the club, and I, I would know straight away if I've hit it. Like I could tell, like I and I've said quite loudly, that's a winner one, right? That, that's the one right there, I mean, on a, more than a few occasions. But that's a good one. That's, that's a good, a good one. Yeah. <laughs> the one, the one club that I probably only did a handful of, handful well with was that the the blade, and it wasn't because it wasn't a back, it wasn't a back It just it didn't fit, didn't suit me. It's and that's, it can't be upset about that. That's the way it goes. Well,
0: obviously it's pretty, it's pretty natural to know that you know a blade has got a you know there's less technology is not the right way to describe it, but there's less going on with it. I guess um, you know there is not the as liberal use of a cavity. There is not the length in the, in the club face, uh, you know, so therefore not the same level of forgiveness mm. on, on some blades. So, you know, once you start introducing elements of a golf club that, you know, are blade-like but give you a little bit more access to some forgiveness. Yeah. Now, the, the, the ones that we've ended up with are a you know, forged hollow cavity, you know, with some tungsten, you know, to get the CG down low to help you get the launch up high. You know, and they've got a little bit more forgiveness across the face. A little, so the miss hits are going to carry a bit more ball speed. The miss hits yep. are going to be a little bit more effective, and hopefully go a little bit less offline and go a little bit closer to the target. Now, what we see with blade, a lot of people who you know like the blades, you know, they will stripe you know a couple of shots, and that's the you know it's the purest feeling. You know, when you get a blade yep. out of the middle, it's the purest feeling you can get. But the one that's just slightly off center is just. You lose a little bit more ball speed. It doesn't yeah. quite get to the target and it just doesn't feel as good. No. And, you know, if you're Adam Scott or Sergio or whoever, you know, like you don't have to worry about that because 99% of the time you're hitting out of the guts. Yeah. But if you're Ross or Mike, you know, or let's not put Rocket in that boat because, you know, he's a no. state player, um, you might need a little bit more forgiveness. So, yeah. yeah.
1: No. And, and I was, it's not, not ashamed. I think, you know, at the time, I think we sort of ran down the board and said, you know, these are the, four or five that I want to have a try of, and, and that's what we did. I was, we were hitting, and I, I should know this, but tell you how much attention I paid, hitting seven irons. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the, fitting, yeah. the fitting kits that uh, the manufacturers uh, provide or we
0: buy, uh, in some cases, um, you know, based on a seven iron for pretty much the majority of all the clubs. So, yeah, they were, you, they were all seven irons. And, I, I guess when you say, and I just want to clarify, when you say, hmm. you know, run down the board, you know, so what we're doing by this stage is, you know, we're using – the real clubs with the shafts that we're selecting. And in many cases, the, the line that you require, we're hitting clubs with that line. So the, yep. the fitting kits allow you to adjust the line. You know, some, uh, they all do it a little differently because they've all got different fittings, um, mm-hmm. which is one of my bugbears, you know, like I don't know why the golf industry can't get together and say for fitting clubs, guys, just use this fitting. So then we can use all, all your manufacturers that use the same shafts, you know, they can yep. use them. Anyway, uh, I digress. Um, so you were hitting Clubs with the line angle that you need, with yep. the shaft at the at the length. So, yeah. um, uh, what was I going to say? So, running down the board, yeah, you know, we're, we're we're capturing the data. We're capturing your swing speed. We're capturing the ball speed. We're capturing the launch angle. We're capturing uh, the spin, uh, the side spin. We're capturing uh, the peak height. We're capturing the the rate of ascent, yeah, uh, carry and distance. So, you know, we're obviously generating this off a off a measuring device, off a, a launch monitor. Uh, and they're all really important factors to consider and that we do consider when we're looking at these fittings. So, you know, sometimes ultimate distance and is not the winner. Um, you know, carry no. is, uh, is obviously important, but how how um, high the ball goes, but then how steep it comes down, you know, like yep. especially with seven irons, that's going to um, give you an indication of how the ball's going to stop when you fire that seven iron near the pin. Is it, mm. going, is it coming down steep enough to give you the, the the stop? Now, one particular club that you hit... Um, that might have had a different loft profile, just had a slightly less rate of, of spin. And it was a great club. you hit it quite well, but had a, li- a little bit less spin and a little bit less height and less ascent. so it was and, but it went five yards further mm. But it might not have been the best club for you because yeah. because of where you're at physically strength, age, all that and improvement. Yep. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to point out that that's the sort of level of detail that we were sort of looking at when we we're running down. Absolutely. The
1: board. Yeah, and and one of the benefits as well is just for everyone at home again is it's it's all measured in yards, so you feel like you're smashing it out there when you <laughs> see when I'm seeing the seven iron clear get out past one seventy, I was I was I was excited. I thought, and then you told me it was in yards, and I was less excited. But <laughs> but um, no, you're right, and, and 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 you described it really well because the honest answer is of the ones that we tried. And, the one, and, and as I just said before, I'd played Saturday and Sunday and I was pretty tired. <laughs> so by the time we'd hit a lot of different clubs and, and Ross had done a lot of work, especially for me, because I, I do catch the toe. So I'd have had my last set were two degrees upright mm-hmm. and we were sort of working around that sort of thing. So Ross has doing a whole lot of work there to get those things right. Um, so when it came to hitting the different clubs, there wasn't a massive difference like it wasn't like you know there was a few that were going a little bit further but like with all the data that we had some of them had like you said a higher spin rate and this and that but when it came to like how did they how did they perform when you looked at the numbers they weren't and there was nothing that was like completely night and day versus the others i wouldn't say would
0: yeah. you agree with that Uh definitely you know like first and foremost like you did like your little circles uh you know like the we Circle the groupings by different colors, so all of the clubs just show a different color, and it was like—I wouldn't even say it was like the Olympic rings. I usually call it, you know the customers Olympic rings, you know, because they all sort of overlap like an Olympic rings. Yours were yeah. yours were very overlapped, so um, yeah, you know, that, yeah, the, the, when the,
1: you disc- hit them all, hit them, hit them all those little slices every single time. It's just. <laughs> They just end up in the same spot.
0: The, the, <laughs> the, it was tight dispersion. Yeah, what the word we were looking for was dispersion. Your dispersion yep. was very tight, so it,
1: it made it very
0: uh, hard for you to, I guess, get to the point of going. There wasn't a absolute. Well, there was in the end. Uh, there definitely was. There, a clear, there was. There was a clear it winner, was. but it was very close.
1: Yeah, there was, and, and I'll, I'll add in as well. One of the things that we did was I, I had my own seven eye So the seven eye I've been using for six yep. years, and we hit that as well, and that was professionally fitted at that company's headquarters so it was all for me that you know it was um you know said two degrees upright and everything had been done there previously so when I hit that again it wasn't super different to some of the some of the, the newer clubs like there wasn't a massive massive difference but um the last thing and if I'm skipping too far ahead no. please please pull me up You're sure the last thing that we did, uh, was we started trolling a few different shafts, and there was one shaft that we tried, and I can't remember which one it was. What well, was that? Um, it was
0: actually the well, the first thing that we did. You know, I put some shafts in that I thought you know might be knowing knowing what you had. Uh, mm. You know, like I wanted to maybe throw something that was a little bit different uh, towards you and just see how that performed and, and yep. what it, what it gave you and and we and you sort of liked it. You yeah. sort, you, know, you sort of liked it, and, and I sort of you know. I get the benefit of knowing your golf a little bit and knowing you a little bit, so and it's a shaft that I like, and you know we sort of swing at the same sort of tempo and and, and whatnot, and like to have the same sort of flights and whatever. I thought oh, I like this one, so give this a try, and it was going all right. Yep. But then, then we pulled out your club and started having a look at that, and it gave me another yep. look at the shaft and what that did, and I sort of couldn't find the shaft. I think, and then we got to your club, and then we found. You know the exact shaft, and that that was the yep. game changer. It was,
1: Um and it was the stock shaft. Is that right? It's yeah. the normal. Yeah, it's, it's the, the, the normal the- shaft that comes in. It was with the, with the clubs, and it was it, it was I hit it as well as I've hit it, and I hit it further than any of the clubs. Comfortable, like yeah. It was it, the carry and the distance on it was it picked up probably five or eight yards, which is great. Yeah, and, and
0: we had uh, yeah, some, um, you know, you could see on the, the strike pattern, you know, like once you, that you got that shaft, the strike pattern was centre, 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 yeah. centre. Yeah. And and one great thing that I've learned in, in fitting and playing around with shafts, you know, shaft obviously influences a lot of the characteristics of a golf club, you know, in terms of how it gets delivered back to the ball, obviously, uh, the flight characteristics, the spin characteristics, and... That's so varied on on each player, but essentially what you're looking for from a shaft it's a timing device hmm. you, know, you, you you want a shaft that works with your tempo, your release pattern, and how you you deli- you individually deliver that club back to the ball and it's a timing device and and that in that example proved it because the timing and the centering and the strike uh, is, and that's what you're looking for and the consistency of strike, and it just was chalk and cheese between the one that we started with in that particular club, which is another yeah. an, an option, um, it just changed the game.
1: It go. did, and it was funny because it felt really good when I was hitting it. It was great. Then we tried a different one, and it didn't feel as good, so I was really leaning to that first shaft, but then the stock shaft was, like you said, it was a, a little light bulb went off, and as I said, Ross was sick of hearing me say, that's a good one, um, but literally I think if I hit that, if I hit that, If I hit 10, I would say eight of them were flush. Like they felt, you know, I always, whenever I say to someone, um, when you hit a good one and it feels like you hit a Nerf ball, like it feels like you hit a rubber squash ball or something, like you can barely feel it off the club. It's just, you know, you've middled it. Yep. When you hit eight out of 10 of those, you're like, right, this is probably the one for me. Uh,
0: So full disclosure, what we ended up with was the Callaway Apex Pro. Yes, uh, it's a very nice club. Uh, it is the Elevate uh, VSS one one five shaft. Uh, we've got you. Uh, you now your hands. Um, we we didn't talk about the other measurement that we do. We we measure your hand. Uh, everyone's yes. hands now. There's a number of things that play with hands. Um, some people like me have long long fingers, uh, and some people have short fingers, wider hands, hey. and. Not necessarily does always finger length or hand length determine grip size. It can. Um, there's a personal element to that. Uh, Mike has short, you know, if we put his hand and my hand up together, mm. you know, my finger's sort of like a almost like an inch, half an inch longer. Mm. But Mike likes a um, uh, a stronger grip, uh, a, a thicker grip. You know, he yep. likes almost that mid-sized grip. Uh, that helps him because he's got a strongish grip and just his release pattern yep. and all that sort of thing. Me, i i like a, f- a couple of tapes but um you know i like to have maybe not as thick a grip as maybe my hand size would would be determined because that's that's me you know i like to hit a fade and i like to have a club that um you know that i can fade it with and the thicker grip sort of helps that it takes the left side out a little bit but i still want to have a little bit of left side if i need to and mm. sometimes the thick grips can reduce the left side a lot of players you know end up with a thick grip to slow that rotational movement down. Sometimes it's just to fit in the hands and there's a whole variety of things. But you like a thicker grip and we've ended up with uh, a grip a bit thicker as well. And uh, we changed the line angle. We've got the line angle uh, right
1: for your delivery
0: and hopefully they're perfect.
1: Two degrees. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. Um, No, I can't wait. It was good. And look, None of the clubs we tried were bad, which was probably made it the most difficult. There was every single one of them had something about them that I was like, oh, I really like that. Oh, I really like that. There was none of them like, nah, that's not for me. It was just, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, when you hit it as well as I hit it. And, and again, I'm not, not trying to be funny here, but we've all played a lot of golf. You know, Ross and I played 97 holes at Barney in three days. When you've played... 36 holes of golf on a weekend, and then you've done a full day's work. Mind you, I was sitting at a desk, so I wasn't exactly, you know, stacking bricks. But then you head into the city and you, you're hitting golf ball after golf ball after golf ball. My hands are a bit sore and tired. So to get to a point where we got to, where it was, where I was hitting it so well, after probably it was points where I was like pretty tired and done. Um, but, yeah, I'm, it was really good. Very, very, very excited to see, uh, see them on course.
0: Well, you know, we, I wanted to talk about this, uh, n- not so much to talk about my work and and the association with drummer and golf, and that's obviously a, a known known now. But we do get a lot of questions uh, over the journey of the podcast, and people wanted to talk about fitting. Yeah, you know, um, Daniel Crawford up there in stall wanted more information about fitting, and you know, I hadn't really covered it uh, so much for Daniel, but I just thought that this was a great opportunity for us to talk about it and give the full. I guess, gamut of what we went through. Um, Now, you know, fitting's a personal thing, you know, like there's always a human element with fitting uh, and people have been doing it and, and, you know, not not every fitting person in the world, whether it be at a retail golf store or a branded fitting environment or anywhere, not always are they PGA professionals. Now, you know, you see a lot of the stuff on the forums and the, different bits and bobs saying, you know, get fitted by a PJ pro. And that's absolutely true, but you know, you can be a fitting professional without being a PGA, mm. you know, scratch plus two golfer. There are plenty of scratch yeah. plus two golfers that don't understand fitting. There's some um,
1: pretty good ser- pretty good food served by cooks that aren't qualified chefs. It doesn't mean the food's any worse.
0: Don't tell me that. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> so, uh, so
0: yeah, but I think the important part is, is having a, a system. Uh, having a process, uh, having technology uh, and having access to a variety of uh, clubs for you to try and having an understanding of trying to get to the point where you can try what you're pretty close to what you're going to end up with. It's not always, always, always possible. And sometimes there's a little bit of trust me on this, um, less so than more so. Uh, but a lot of people also ask, why seven irons? You know, why Why is it a seven iron? Why can't I test the whole set? Well, of course we can't test the whole set because we'd have demo clubs of every club in the in the world and it's just not possible uh, economically or process-wise. But the seven iron's a great mix between scoring club, you know, seven, eight, nine pitch, yeah. and also long swing. Uh, and you do play the majority of your shots, you know, in and around that sort of five, six, seven, eight sort of swing pattern. So it's a good representation of... All clubs in the bag. So, you know, of course, if you want to try a driving iron, if you come to me, I've got I've got utility irons to to test. Uh, If you want to do a wedge fitting, we've got wedges to test and and to try and look at bounce Mm. profiles and so on and so forth. And you know, we've got the technology there. What were you doing? You were hitting some chips to a thirty meter chip over a bunker to a pin.
1: (laughs) I was knifing some wedges. Over the, uh, yeah. by the end of the day, I was done. Well, we but no, it, it was really good because, like you said, like I think at the time you actually said that you've got the most um, wedge samples in Franklin Street in, in the city. And there's a big, big bag of wedges there to try. And it's great.
0: Yeah, no face tape, you know. Like you, you can try the wedges. No, yep. okay. I don't have every bounce profile, every grind. But if you want to come and try the new mill grind three fifty four degree, and and test that against your own wedge, you can. If you want to try Voki, if you want to try a Tour Edge Exotics EXS Pro, mm-hmm. um, that I just fitted up Ryan Pappenhausen from the Melbourne Storm for with a set of EXS Pro blades, wedges, utility, and C seven two uh, one Tour Edge Exotics um, driver fairway. Combo. Uh, g'day to you, Ryan Pappenhausen, uh, Drummer Golf Ambassador. Uh, yeah, so you can try them all. That was great. Yeah, it was. Mm. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's a good example, Ryan Pappenhausen. Now, Ryan Pappenhausen will come onto the podcast at some stage um, and we'll do a bit of video with Ryan. Maybe we'll get a game of golf with him one day. But here's an example. You know, he's probably a low teen handicapper, maybe a 12 handicapper. Uh, can he, Obviously, like a lot of athletes that I've, I've fit and worked with, can hit a golf ball, you know, they're just naturally agile, they're naturally strong, sometimes just got to work on the technique a little bit, you know, they, they've had few lessons, if any, they just pick it up naturally and that's why they're elite sports people. Uh, they can adapt to concepts really quickly. So if you say just try this, you know, try to do that to get a better strike and they can do that really quick. Some people just can't, don't get it. Uh, Ryan just wanted to stretch himself, you know. He wanted, he he saw this blade, uh, the Tourage Exotics CXS Pro blade, um, I had a set there because though my ones that I had been using sometimes flicking in and out of tiny, weeny little blade. He just said, "I love it. I hit it. He, he hit it. No, I hit it. He hit it. Um, he got several of them really well. He got several of them not as well, but you know he hit them and he just loved them. He said, "I want those." Yeah. So he's got a set of blades now. The one thing that I did for for Ryan, um, which I think was important because he could hit. The scoring club's very well. It's seven iron, you know, and we had the benefit of having a full set there. So you could hit the eight in the pitch and all that. We put the four in his hand and I said, let's try this four utility iron. He said, I don't like a hybrid. I had a four, my own personal four utility iron there. I said, hit this one. And he just started just hitting these, you know, Minwoo like tracer bullets. He said, what's this type of club? I've never seen one of or had one of these before. I said, okay, we'll get you one of those. So he'll drop his four iron out of the set and put the four yep. utility iron in there. Uh, as a driving iron, um, no hybrid, he's got a five wood. Uh, mm. but he was just and he just couldn't believe that he was hitting these, you know, traceable four irons going about 220. Yeah, wow. Um, so anyway, Ryan Pappen has and Melbourne Storm, uh, fullback. Um, beautiful. Have we covered everything?
1: We've covered everything. I think, uh, that's it. Next week, I'm sure Rockwood will want to talk about the uh, the Saudi Gulf. I think it's on in Jan. That, uh,
0: so is it kicking off? Is it is it on? Is it a thing? Is it, is uh,
1: the People that are reported to be signing up to this uh,
0: program, well, signing
1: up? They haven't, well, no, they haven't done any of those and no sign-ups yet. It's the um, the Saudi event that's coming up that DJ was going to defend. They've, they've, uh, the tournament's put out a list of 25 people, or players, that they've said have confirmed they're playing. I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. Effectively, now what has to happen is the tour has to approve that. Because they can't just go and uh, take their wares elsewhere. And I think it's the same week as Pebble Beach off the top of my head. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting list of players. I had it down here in front of me just so I didn't forget. But Avancer, he's not super surprised. Casey DeChambeau, Jason Duffner, I don't understand. He's, I think he's a fantastic like golfer. I think he's very funny. But I wouldn't have put him on the list of people that are, I'm cheery that they've signed on to this tournament. He hasn't played very well in a long time. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, Sergio, Tyrrell, DJ, Jason Kokrak, Lowry, McDowell, Mickelson, Kevin, Na, Neiman, Usti, Pultz, Shoffley, Adam Scott, Stenson, Hart, Harold Varner III, Johnny Vegas, Bubba, and Lee Westwood. So it's a bit of a hodgepodge. It's certainly a cross between the Euro and the, uh, the US tour. Probably Adam Scott's probably the one that I thought was the most surprising that's decided to sign on. But, yeah, so I believe now, yeah, it's back to they've said they've signed on or the tournament has, has said that these guys have all uh, agreed to come play. Okay, mate. But that's
0: it. Great to have you and I on board. I missed you again, uh, Rocket. One more time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rocket. Uh, good to have everyone on board Uh, we do thank you Uh, all of the feedback is greatly appreciated Uh, if you have liked the show um, send us uh, $10 no don't do that Uh, just uh, rate and review and subscribe and do all of those things check us out at YouTube all of that wonderful stuff that you uh, continue to do for us that would be uh, greatly appreciated as we build up toward the end of the podcast where we might have as Matt uh, Mollica termed it the the loggies The The L-O-G-G-I. Yeah, The Loggies. Uh, -Loggies, M-Loggies, Floggies, The Loggies, uh, not The Loggies, The Loggies. We're still putting our list of um, titles uh, together for that, so uh, we might finish the year off with that. But uh, until then, until next week, I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.